At the end of the message, uh, there will be a short video, remain seated, and then afterwards, please leave in silence. This weekend, as we define weekend, Sunday is the first day of the week, but we think about Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as a weekend. This weekend is not about what we can do for God, but about what God has done for us. And that's the design we engage in all our celebrations. All the covenant people of God have always celebrated what God has done for us, not what we do for him. The Passover, the feast that reminded Israel that God had provided food for them. And he had defeated their enemies when it seemed that there was no hope for the people of God. And then the sacrificial system. The sacrifices that appease the wrath of a holy God. As for Christians, we celebrate the incarnation. The Lord's Supper. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday. And Easter. As Americans, we want to do something to earn our keep, to prove our worth. As believers, we are privileged to serve the one, and indeed it is expected of us. But we serve the one who died for us, understanding that we can do nothing through our merit to cause a relationship with God to occur. We must receive God's gifts of grace, not because we're smarter than others, but because the word has entered our hearts and found lodging in the soil that God had prepared and the Holy Spirit brought to life through the word. Martin Luther said that if we do not continually beat the gospel into our heads, then we will default to religion mode because we are religious to the core. And religion centers on what we do, not on what God has done. I am blessed to be in close relationship with three pastor friends, uh, Denton, Jimmy, and Dave. And we often encourage one another and share theological insights. Just reminders sometimes, verse of scripture or a thought that we had from reading the word. And earlier this week, my friend Denton White shared the following thoughts about the first Passover that will help you prepare to receive this weekend rather than enter these days with a posture of what can I do for God? He's done so much. Now, let's just think this weekend about what he has done. These words are a little shocking, but I was told I must share them, elders and staff. Hear this from Denton about the Passover. Do you suppose that hiding in the homes of the blood-marked doorpost, feeding on the lamb, That there were no fornicators, no idolaters, no filthy old men or bitter old women who hated their husbands? Do you suppose the angel of death passed over the blood-marked homes of only the very good? 
The Lord justifies to sanctify. He doesn't sanctify to justify. He saves us and then cleans us up. We cannot clean ourselves up and then be saved. I'm going to read from Luke 23, an account of the crucifixion. Close your eyes if you wish or not, but either way, put yourself not in the role of one of those who was mourning over Jesus' arrest and him being led away to be crucified. Not, but, but put yourself in, in the role of one of the mockers or one of the thieves who were crucified with Jesus, preferably the criminal who believed and was saved on the spot. Luke 23, beginning with verse 26. And as they led Jesus away to be crucified, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us. And to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by, watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. I'll stop in the reading to say two things. One, David 
Calvert wrote the song that we sang earlier tonight, Psalm 22, I believe, in conjunction with Matt Papa. But if anyone ever had reason to feel betrayed, it was Jesus. He had done nothing wrong. We, like the criminal, deserve punishment for our sins. He had done nothing. And yet, at the very end, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God saying, certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breast. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. The four Gospels describe the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies of Jesus' death as we have heard tonight from both Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. Everything in the Bible points to Jesus and the four Gospels tell us the story. The epistles explain that the women who wept as Jesus was being crucified needed for him to be crucified and they needed God's grace just as much as the ones who were mocking Jesus and who nailed, drove the nails into his wrist and his feet. What did God do for us in the crucifixion? Colossians 2, 13 through 15. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us, forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of deeds or the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to his cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. The record of debt that stood against us in the most immediate context of the day was a written document, a certificate, or a contract, if you will, detailing what one person owed to another. In the first century, if you were unable to pay your bills, rather than declaring bankruptcy and starting over, you were put into the, under the, the, uh, the creditor's service. You were put in his service and you were in servitude, really little better than a slave until your debt was fully paid. This led to debtor's prison in the Middle Ages. Some have surmised from this text that Paul also intended for us to understand that the, the, the record of debt that stood against us was the law, the written law, ready to condemn all who failed to keep it in full. And we all fail, of course. But Jesus never failed. He never sinned. And when he died, the record of death was nailed to his cross where our debt was paid in full. And when he said, 
it is finished, it could just as easily be translated paid in full. The result, our sins are forgiven when we believe. What has God done for us? Romans 5, starting in verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more will we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. That's coming up Sunday. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. 